This podcast does not constitute medical advice. All changes surrounding medications, diet and exercise should be made in consultation with a professional who can assess your unique health circumstances. Welcome to the Patterson Program, where you'll learn how to improve your health from the inside out. And now, your host, Clint Patterson. Welcome back to the Patterson Podcast. I've got a guest today who's one of our members of our Patterson Program support, who's inspired many people over the last few years with his tremendous improvements with rheumatoid arthritis. He's originally from the UK, as you'll hear in a second from his accent, but he's currently in South Africa where he has just completed a mammoth bike ride, which is an astounding, incredible achievement given where he was just a few years ago. Welcome, Andy. Nice to meet you, Clint. Yeah, face-to-face. We've had a lot of correspondence online uh, where we've worked together on your health for a couple of years. Uh, Give everyone just a short glimpse of what they're about to hear in the next half hour or so with your transformation. Okay, well, uh, a couple of years ago, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis about 10 years ago. About a couple of years ago, the medication was going up. They were adding, consultant was adding more and more different medication. And one day I found I I couldn't get out of the bath. I had a bath and literally didn't have enough strength in my wrists to get out. And uh, I thought to myself, I've got to do something about this. It's, they're just piling on more and more, going to injections, variety of drugs. And I thought maybe there must be a different way. So I, fi- I luckily found your program just by sort of searching the Internet, really, and then really put all my effort into following it religiously. And here I am two years later. 15 kilograms lighter, just an 110 kilometer cycle ride in five hours. And I could do it quicker next time. So just the transformation over two years is just unbelievable. Wow. And how have you gone with the, uh, just in terms of medication comparison before and after? Well, uh, two years ago, I was on methotrexate, 15 milligram planquinil, and also um, anti-inflammatory. And now I'm down to 12 milligram methotrexate, no planquinil, no anti-inflammatory, and no no swelling at all in the joints. And basically the pain is sort of minimal. It comes and goes a little bit, but compared to where I was two years ago, it's just a, it's a whole new world where I'm back to being active again. So it's just been it's been an incredible journey, but it's it's sort of not over yet. There's still still room for lots of improvement. Yeah, well, there always is, isn't there? Whether or not you're kind of, you know, at the point where you're at, you've made tremendous improvements, got off a whole bunch of bad medications or bad in terms of their potential side effects, or whether or not you're like me, where the damage that I had to my joints uh, during my inflammation years, I'm still working with, you know, and probably will for life. And, you know, whether it be, you know, hanging from bars at the gym, trying to stretch the connective tissue and straighten those arms or at yoga trying to straighten them or try and sit on my heels which I've still not been uh, able to achieve in yoga for in nearly 900 odd classes we're always working on the next step and trying to make continual improvements now to deviate a little bit from our usual format which is just to you know just in a linear fashion just go through your story from start to finish tell us your 
let's just sort of jump around a bit and just have a chat about this. Your your son has been with you throughout these uh, biking adventures recently too. Has it been great to have him involved and to be by your side as he witnesses how much you've improved? Yeah, it's been fantastic. He's been involved in some of the training I did prior to the race because I um I came to South Africa three weeks before the race to get sort of a to get used to the heat and take my fur coat off after a, a winter in Britain. <laughs> so he was part he he was part of the training and then also came on the day. So it was just really nice to um to have him there. And also my my father in law, who's seventy six, he did the race as well. Wow. So it was a big sort of big, big family effort. So, uh, yeah, it's always nice to have someone at the finish line that can uh, give you a hug. Oh, most definitely. And um, he must be happy with his old man and how the improvements uh, have have unraveled over the last few years. Yeah. I mean, he can't believe um, when I first started cycling with him, I could see his backside disappearing over the horizon about every five minutes. Yeah. But now it's now it's the other way around where he sees me disappearing and he just he's he's absolutely finds it he's sort of gobsmacked at the fact of, of where I am now compared to where I was two years ago, just through through diet and, and exercise really. How do you compare to other riders in your age bracket? Do you find that you keep up with other folks or is it still uh you've still got some ground to, to go with that? No, I'm pretty well. I mean, when I've been in mountain bike race this year, I've been, I've come quite high up in my age group, which has been quite good. The worrying factor really is the fear of falling off and landing on my wrists or hurting my ankles. So one of the biggest sort of uh, hurdles in the race wasn't so much the distance, surprisingly, it was just the fact that there's 30,000 other cyclists Wow. that he was trying to avoid. Yeah. So I just had a real fear of being knocked off and landing on one of my wrists or, or ankles because as you know uh, if you with my ankles if i twist an ankle it's sort of agony mm. even if i step on a pebble if you if you twist the if twist the ankle it can be sore so um yeah uh, to be honest in the mountain bike races i i did really well and in this yeah pretty good yeah awesome yeah fantastic well let's let's explore a little bit more about bike riding it's one of the sort of you know when i normally list my favorite exercises for rheumatoid i say Bikram yoga covers everything. Well, hang on, let's take a step back. What we need to do is we need to have a cardiovascular approach for all the little joints. There are fingers, uh, the metatarsals in our feet, uh, ankles, wrists, and so on. They tend to respond really well to cardiovascular exercise, the sort of stuff that you get when your heart rate's high, your blood's pumping really fast. So that's, that's that. And then all the other joints, the major joints, they require targeted exercise. So our ankles and our shoulders and our knees all require a specific set of exercises that I've laid out inside our forum uh, and also inside the advanced package, So, um, which are just a couple of our products where people can just go through step by step. Now, with cycling, you get the cardiovascular exercise and you also get the for the knees, you get the targeted exercise because you've. What for the knees, what we want to do is we want to be pushing our feet, lower part of the legs, away from our body to build up the quads and also the glute muscles, and particularly the quads where it connects to the top of your knees. So, did you always want to cycle, or was it because you found it beneficial to rheumatoid? And what little and so talk about that, and also what adjustments you've had to make because of your condition when cycling, particularly in the early stages? Well, one of the factors, one of the reasons I wanted to cycle is because it's non-weight bearing. 
And also, it, as you say, it brings movement to you, so it develops your quads, but also your calves. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, some movement in your ankles, because my ankles were quite stiff. So even in the, even just by turning, turning the pedals, you are getting some movement in, in your ankles. And I'd cycled a bit when I was younger, but it just seemed I was looking for something that would give me exercise without pain to my joints. I couldn't run. I, prior to having RA, I was playing football and I'd played rugby earlier in my life, but and badminton and things, tennis, but all those things I was un, unable to do. So I was looking at something that I enjoyed and I'd been relatively good at before. I mean, swimming, to be honest, for a British person is sort of a, we don't really live in the pool like you guys. Um, you know, learning to swim in Britain is sort of the teacher's got a sheepskin jacket on uh, in October, and you have to break the icebergs in the out in an outdoor pool. So swimming was out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so I built on something that I already enjoyed, really. Mm. And then one of the things I had to do was I did put some bars on the end of the handlebars of my bike to make my wrists more comfortable. If you cycle and your wrists are um, in that position, it can sometimes hurt, but then you can get uh, little bars that go on the end where your hands can go, can rest like that easily without putting too much pressure on the on the wrist joint. Oh, I recall so seeing... So I did that. Sorry, I recall seeing them. So that you're, you actually, your forearms actually rest on a platform, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. That's, they can do. Um, uh, yep. that, that's more for your sophisticated sort of speed cyclists. But you, right. the, you, the rest on on the side is a little bit where you can sort of your hands are sort of in this shape. If you can see my hands. Okay. But I just okay. personally yep. found it much more comfortable. Right. So instead of gripping down and uh, instead of gripping down like that on the handlebars, you're gripping like that. Yeah, or almost yep. with a V with your thumb and your fingers as a as a V in this sort of shape. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And there's less pressure then. Less okay. pressure on your wrists. Excellent. Because I was going to ask you about that because I used to find sometimes if I'd go on a bike ride when I was in Hawaii, we rent some bikes. This was back after our honeymoon, you know, going back uh, a while. The vibration through the road used to upset my uh, wrists, exactly what you said, and my elbows. Yeah. So both of them felt that yeah. I guess they were, you know, they just it irritated them. And so that's very interesting. And, uh, also kind of predictable that I thought there's got to be something that you've done to alleviate that because yeah. it's, it's a consistent issue that everyone reports when they're using a bike outside of a stationary bike. Yeah. It's also quite important to have your seat adjusted to exactly the right height for your riding style because mm-hmm. that makes your whole body position more comfortable. If, you, if your seat is too high or too low and you're, you're overreaching or underreaching, you can have sort of back pain. So it's a case of getting to know your bike and adjusting it to um, the height that suits you. I mean, you can, if you go to a bike shop, a good bike shop, they'll do that for you. But it's also a matter of, um, you know, it's like any sport, people have got their own style of riding, the exact position. So all of that takes time and effort. But um, with those the bars on the side, it just made a huge difference and felt comfortable. Mm. What we might do is I might get you to flick me an image of that that people can uh, see and we'll put it in the show notes of this episode on pattersonprogram.com and that way they can go and have a look at the image and if they want to get that adjustment for the bike, then they can. With regards to the height of the seat, I found that very important when I was on a stationary bike, which is where it began for me. I spent most of my time alternating between Bikram Yoga and a stationary bike at the gym. And later, it, my exercise routine then became 
Bikram yoga alternating with just regular weight type workouts at the gym. And I found that I didn't have to do as much cardio, certainly didn't need to do it every day to have good results. But at the gym, what I used to do with my stationary bike is I'd raise the seat quite high, so probably higher than your average person, so that when my knee came up, I wasn't exceeding the 90 degree angle, or at least it wasn't exceeding it by much. And because I was finding that if, sorry, if the seat was low and my knee came up so that my knee was going quite uh, into an acute position, it was causing a lot of pain. So I was trying to basically raise the seat so that I wasn't really compressing too much through the knee. Did you ever explore this as well? Uh, yeah, I'd, um, I found I had to adjust it um, quite a bit because w- when you're actually cycling, you don't fully extend your leg so that it's completely straight. You're supposed to have it so that um, on the downstroke, there's still a slight angle behind your knee mm-hmm. because sometimes people have the seat too high. So, I mean, a good tip really is, when you're sitting on the bike, just the tips of your toes should be touching the floor. Right. Okay. So uh, if before you, you move, sit that's, there that's and a let, fairly let, good indicator. Let your legs dangle and tips of the toes on the floor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that should be a good one. But funny enough, in in the race I was just in, my my seat I hadn't tightened my seat properly, and um, I was halfway round, and my knees started hurting, and I suddenly realised I was like a Charlie Caroli, the circus performer. My seat had been dropping and dropping and dropping, and I was like peering over the handlebars. So I had to um, had to bail out and uh, adjust it to the correct height again. So uh, it, it, to be honest, it really it showed me that within ten minutes of the seat inadvertently dropping, my I was getting knee pain. So that shows that the setup of what you of what you do has to be spot on for you to get the you know the, the correct benefits and feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Now, what about with regards to your heart rate? Do you find, as an aside, that when you're doing these long races, that your body responds best in terms of pain relief to certain intensity, or is there a relationship that you've observed specifically for pain reduction with inflammation? I found I try and go really at about 70% of capacity and then not getting too much out of breath, but I mean... I'm a bit of a masochist. I really enjoy cycling up mountains and not so much down them. <laughs> right. So, um, and that's where the heart rate goes up, goes up. But also, um, I didn't don't want it to go up too much. But uh, it's it's important as in, as I've seen you stress. It's all about getting a, a sort of a sweat on. Mm-hmm. Good. When you got that sweat, when that's when you know that you're doing some good. So really, I didn't have to go, I, I'm not really interested in going maximum power on a bike, but keeping sort of steady, sort of 70% of what I could do or if I was in a tight corner. Isn't that interesting? It seems we see these consistencies all the time and it's so reassuring to, to hear them that what works for you is the same thing that I've found works for me and others. And we're seeing that, you know, you want to get to a point of exertion where your body's like, oh, hang on a sec, do we really have to be doing this? The body needs to actually start to let you know that it's a little uncomfortable and that's where you want to sort of play your game at, right at that point. So the body's a little uncomfortable. Yeah. It has to be engaged. The body needs to, to, to wake up and be used and to start to sweat. As we start to sweat, it's just an indicator that we've hit that threshold that we need that we're actually going to get some pain relief the next day. So yeah. that's very, very interesting. Did you find that... Real, like how how did your joints feel 
from an inflammation viewpoint from longer rides like this one? Did you feel really great after each day? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, the, the more I exercise, the better I feel. Yep. If I have a period where I go 10 days without exercising, I start to feel, I start to regress and start to feel worse than I, worse than I normally do. Yep. So for me, it's a sort of, I have to either every day, I've been cycling every other day. So, cause it's also important to get, get rest and to sort of let your body recuperate a bit. But I just find if I cut down my exercise, it's not good for me personally. I mean, I really, really makes me tick and I feel a lot better with doing it. Great. I, but I mean, I did follow what you suggested as well. I did. I've done quite a lot of Bikram yoga, and that that was just amazing for flexibility, just stretching. So um, I before and after cycling, I still do a lot of stretching to make sure that everything's sort of um, in working order. Yeah, let's talk about that. What do you stretch, and and uh, how do you go about it? Anything elaborate, or have you just got some conventional stretches that you do for the major leg muscles? Well, I often do, uh, before I start, I often do a little bit of the uh, beginning sort of Bikram one where you bend sideways when you're standing tall and also do the, um, I don't know about you, but the the one-legged balances in Bikram are, are virtually impossible for me. It sort of frustrates me every time I I find when I when I get to do the floor exercises, I'm as good as anybody in the room right. and some of the ones at the start. But as soon as it gets on one leg, I'm, I really struggle with balance. I don't know if there's an issue with balance and rheumatoid arthritis, but but I do. I I stretch the quads by doing the that one legged balance where you lift your one of your legs behind and pull it back up. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I like that, too. It yeah. stretches the upper quad, doesn't it? It gets right into the hip flexor. Yeah. So yeah, so the standing I, I bow. I do that one quite yep. a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. I do yeah. the same thing. You know, if I'm at the gym and I've done a workout and I feel like just doing a few stretches, I always feel inclined to want to do that one. I find it always helps to relieve my, my quads, which is interesting because most people would think, oh, well, you just hold a bar, reach down, grab the ankle and just pull it up and, and just reef it onto that quad. Um, It's funny that you know, my left knee sometimes doesn't like that, but it always likes that standing bow pulling pose or standing arrow or whatever it's called. And um, yeah. yeah, never seems to to, to irritate uh, my, my left knee. Yeah, cool. And so over the years, have you found that you've been able to switch out your diet, explore more foods, or do you keep it fairly simple? Where's that at at the moment? Well, I sort of, what I've done, I've followed your program religiously. So over the two years, I've not really quote unquote cheated. Yeah. I, I've sort of started, I, I did the the, um, the fasting at the beginning and the uh, you know, that juice cleanse, mm-hmm. which was the first two days are really hard. I, I could hardly come out, hardly get out of my bedroom. It was horrendous. Then I started introducing food gradually according to the list. And then I've I've sort of built up from that. And really developed, you know, lots of, re- followed some of your recipes, but I found other, it was a good online cookbook from America, which is, um, Ellen recommended that's, um, plant-based and no oils. Yeah. Can't remember the name of the author now, but that's, that's quite a good source. So I've just then been adding things to the list, eating lots of fruit. But one of the things about me compared to some of the other people is it doesn't seem to be a specific trigger with me. I mean, mm-hmm. since I've gone on the program... The, the pain levels have gone down, the swelling has gone down, and there doesn't seem to be anything that I've reintroduced that's caused any um, swelling. 
Mm-hmm. So it's difficult for me to pinpoint exactly what if there is a trigger or what the trigger is. So I, I noticed on the forum, lots of people, it might be something specific, yeah, an individual that sets them off. But for me, it's uh, I can't really put a finger on it. Mm. And that's fine. You know, that's uh, that's what you're working with, and that's how your body responds. And it's just a different sort of uh, mechanism at play. But you notice that, for instance, if you back off on the exercise, symptoms come back. And I'm sure if you went and did something grossly unhelpful, like fast food and and lots of oils and stuff, you'd notice symptoms come back. So you might have this kind of a general direction change uh, that you can sense without it being, you know, food specific. And that's fine. Yeah. What's next for you? So what's your goals over the uh, the next couple of, uh, let, let's say, over the next 12 months? Where would you like to be? Well, I mean, ultimately, I'm looking to, like you, come off all medication. That's the ultimate goal. So I, I, I'm in the, pro, I, as I say, I've dropped a few drugs and, and I've already gone down a few milligrams. So that's that's on the horizon for what I'm looking for. Um, although, interestingly, last time when they suggested I could come down, I was a little bit wary. You're always sort of something at the back of your mind thinking, if I completely got rid of this now, what would happen? And mm. But... It's it's a sort of a long road, so ultimately that's that's what I'm trying to do. I'll probably go and enter more bike races and build on it. I mean, I haven't done this race once. I think, well, I could do that an hour quicker. Wow, wow. Yeah, I'm the sort of guy that wants to, once I've done something, I think to myself, well, how can I better that? What could I do? And there's sort of three or four things I know from experience now that I could do better than I did this time. So it's about finding a physical challenge, really, um, for me. But also keeping on with the diet, and to be honest, I'm I'm amazed how much I love vegetables compared to you know when I first started, I thought oh, this is going to be horrendous. And how am I going to cope? <laughs> this is so much out of my comfort zone. zone. Yeah. But really, now if I go to a restaurant and other people are eating wherever, I don't I'm not envious in any way at all. I mean, it's luckily in London there's lots of vegan restaurants now where you can um, you can eat out as well because obviously restaurants is is a bit of a problem for us, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. It can be challenging. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. The thing with that, though, is that often, as you say, you develop uh, a change in what you're looking for and that you can be out at night and something like oils, for instance, or the meat dishes don't feel appealing whatsoever, like you've just said. And when I'm washing dishes, when someone's had oil on them on a salad, a guest or someone, you know, I find it not repulsive, but certainly unpleasant. I just think, imagine what that's doing on the inside. This is hard to get off the plate. It's not even, it doesn't, it doesn't mix with water and we're 75% water. So why are we putting something in that doesn't even mix with our, the core of our own body? So yeah, so you get, you get used to it. And besides, we're not, it's not like we eat out every night of the week. It's something that we only do occasionally and we can pick our our uh, restaurants carefully and find that most of the time we can find a place that accommodates what we're looking for and we love. Yep. That's the way forward. Mm. Well, those goals sound amazing. Have you got any, anything you'd like to share to someone who's watching this, who might be in a place where you were a couple of years ago? Is there anything that you'd like to impart in terms of ways of wisdom or advice? Yeah, in a way you've got to sort of keep the faith. It's, it's a long journey. And I think particularly at the start of the program, you can, with the fasting and with the reduced variety of food, you can make quite big gains quickly. And then when it slows down, uh, I imagine that people 
can be, become disenchanted and pack in and, and, and think, well, this is not going to work. And really, you've got to see it as a see it as a long journey and just stick stick to it and keep going, really, and have some sort of um, really persevere. That's what I would say, because the rewards are there, but it, it doesn't come in a day. It doesn't come in a week or a month. I'm two years into it and I've still got I've still got more places to go. But you've always got to look. I, I often look back and think, well, what was the worst time? And if you're just a little bit better than you were then, then that's a gain. You can't lose sight. You mustn't lose sight of where you were at the at the start of the journey. And uh, I often sort of look back at the dark days and think, well, I'm glad I persevered. And I'm glad I've stuck with this. And it's something I'll do for life in terms of diet. I'm going to need to do it for life. And I'm I'm quite happy with that. But it's really, don't give up. Don't mm-hmm. give up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very well put. That's right. We do become, we don't look very far in the rearview mirror quite often once we've made improvements. We like to compare to just a few weeks ago and say, well, why why am I only 1% better or, or uh, 2% better than what I was uh, then? And it's, as you say, when we look back to when we couldn't get up off the floor, we couldn't get out of the bath because of your wrists, as you said, that's when we realize that now when we're cycling, you know, all around near Cape Town in South Africa, leaving your, you know, teenage son behind you because you're powering ahead and beating most people in your age group, that's when you realize how far you have actually come. And yeah. It is life changing, right? This is life changing stuff. So, yeah, thank you. That's a it's a it's a good way to think about this stuff, and I'm sure yeah. that'll be useful for people when they reflect on a really bad situation that they were in compared to how they are now. To use the bike analogy again, really, say Team Sky or whatever, they go a bit faster by doing lots of little things, which add up to a big thing. So, for example, they might have a suit that's aerodynamic. They might tinker something with the with the gears or with the setup of the bike. And really that's a bit like what we do is sort of by tinkering with small things, by, do, by doing the exercise, by changing the diet, just little things, they all add up to a big thing, which is what we're looking for. Yeah. And it's, um, it's just about keeping, keeping the faith, keeping steady and not worrying too much. Sometimes you, if you, you get up one day and you feel not quite as good as you did the day before. And you can, you can read a lot of things into that. Whereas really look at where you were at the start, look at where you are now and see it as a, see the bigger picture. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yep. Uh, some of my clients that I work with on a weekly basis, you know, they'll say, Oh, six days were good, but today oh, it's not so good. And then they'll be saying, well, what should I do about this? What needs to be done? What changes do I need to make? But as you exactly just point out, Look, six days were great. Today is a bit off, but on average, you were better than last week. And that's how we should interpret the week. And that these micro variations, which could have been influenced from so many infinite factors, in fact, as the microbiome is influenced by so many different things from emotional to external things that we breathe in to, you know, stress levels to what we eat to the supplements that we take. And literally the whole time they are a uh, a moving and dynamic organism that they themselves are trying to to breed and to multiply and to take over other other cultures. I mean, we've got so many moving parts here that if we 
have one morning that's a little different to all the others, but generally we're on an improvement trend, then by looking at the big picture, which is exactly what you're saying, can allow us to, you know, take that intense scrutiny away from that particular one day and just look at it week to week, month to month, and are we climbing the mountain? Yeah, yeah. And also, if you, I suppose, worry too much, this I think stress is a big factor with rheumatoid arthritis. I think if you're, if you're stressed, you're worrying too much, that's um, going to be, in a way, unhealthy. So you've got to try and ride out the little blips. You're going to have blips. We all have blips. You've got to ride them out and just look at the bigger picture. Where were you at the start? And just think, well, I'm so much better than I was. And just keep, keep believing. Yeah, great. And I'm sure that you've found that your stress levels have gone down simply by spending a lot of time on the bike. Yeah. No, they have. They have, certainly. Yeah. I say that you get stress reduction for free when you exercise a lot. So we don't need to sit down and try and meditate for 20 minutes a day, which is obviously good. But for a lot of us, we find that more difficult than just going on a bike or, or going to yoga class or something where we can really get an opportunity to clear our mind and reduce stress. And so we can get it for free when we exercise. And I find that that is sufficient. And if you exercise like you do, Andy, and you get out on a bike and you just ride for hours on end, I'm sure by half an hour into it, you're not worried about much else other than just staying focused and feeling your body, feeling the wind in your face and uh, feeling that elation that, uh, you know, you've come so far and and you've really achieved so much. Well, thank you. Well, thank you for coming on the uh, episode today. And I've learned some great things about biking and been inspired by how far you've come. And it was great to meet you face to face since we communicate online. But this is the first time we've we've actually uh, had this level of conversation. And um, I just want to thank you as well for inspiring other people within Patterson Program Support who watch your progress and are encouraged. Okay. Well, thank you. And thank you really for... You know, I found you by chance, really, by researching ways to improve my um, my health. And it was a it was a lucky day when I did. So thank you, really, for um, inspiring me and, and thousands of others. You do, you, you're a remarkable man. Oh, thank you, Andy. You've been listening to the Patterson Program. For more information, visit pattersonprogram.com.